Welcome to Redefining Balance for Working Moms podcast, where we believe life balance is possible. Uh, Yes, even for you. You might just have to redefine what it looks like for yourself. I'm your host, fellow working mom and founder of Your Life Rocks, Jenny Stemmerman. Each week, I'll bring you practical, real-life tips to help you focus on the things that matter most in life and be the best version of yourself in every area that God has called you to. Ready to redefine what balance looks like for you and your life? Let's go. Hey there, welcome to the show. I am so excited that you're here to hang out with me today because today we are kicking off a brand new series. And this series is all about helping you be the best mom you can be. You know, when we talk about parenting as one of the eight areas of life here at Your Life Rocks, we're really trying to help equip you to raise your kids in a godly way, to raise your kids in a way that you can be proud of. And this series is going to help you do just that. Now, a lot of the experts that we have coming on in this series, although we're focused on parenting, we're kind of focused on you as the mom and not so much your kids. Now, we've done a lot of episodes in the past where we're really focused in on your kids and, you know, what their Sunday prep should look like and helping them in school and things like that. But this series is really all about you as the mom. And I think this is such an important topic for us to be talking about over the course of the next couple of weeks, because us being a mom really plays into a lot of different areas of our life. I mean, us being a mom kind of correlates into our faith, into our marriage, into our home, our finances, even our friends and fun, our health. I mean, really, really all areas are impacted by us being a mom. And so I think it's important that we really dive into this and take a, a closer look and really help to equip you to be the very best mom that you can be. Now, speaking of an area of being a mom, as moms, we are largely responsible for doing meal prep. And right now we just put out a new course inside Life Balance membership called Meal Planning Made Simple. And not only is it made simple, but this simple planning system that I teach in this course for helping you put together your meals will not only save you time, but will save you money as well. Now, when you get started into Life Balance membership in February, I'm going to send you an email with immediate access to this course, along with all of the other courses, the member exclusive podcast, and so much more that's included in being a Life Balance member. And when you get the Life Balance planner in the month of February for the DISC system, the DISC notebook system, I'm going to send you the worksheets for the menu planning so you can include it right into your DISC notebook. It will come printed and punched and ready just to be inserted so you can get to work and planning the menus for you and your family. Now, our first episode in this series, we are going to be talking about how to make parenting less exhausting and still give your kids exactly what they need. And for this episode, I am joined by our guest parenting expert, Rachel Bailey, and she has been serving families for over a decade. Besides being a mother of two, She also has a master's degree in clinical psychology, a certification in positive discipline, and provided services as an ADHD coach, in-home mentor, therapist, and currently, Rachel teaches parents practical, long-term tools for raising responsible, resilient, confident children, all while reducing stress and guilt in parents' life. Now that that seems like a dream to you, then I know you're going to love my interview with Rachel. So let's get into it.
Rachel, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to be talking with you today and to really be learning from you because you have brought your A-game with tips for us. And I'm so excited to dive into those. But before we get into all of that, share with us a little bit more about who you are. So I am Rachel. I am most importantly a mom. I have two daughters who are at the time of this recording, seven and nine years old. And I mean, really, I know you know all the the professional stuff about me, but I guess the most important thing to know about me is that despite the fact that I do this for a living, I am not a perfect parent at all. In fact, I'm a pretty reactive person. I'm not a calm and patient like Mary Poppins type of person. So really, that's why I love what I do because I I love working with people for whom this just maybe doesn't come naturally because it absolutely parenting does not come naturally to me at all. That's amazing. So what made you get involved in being a parenting specialist if it's yeah. not something that comes naturally to you? Yeah, that's, it's so funny. And I think that's why. But ultimately, my, I didn't start. I started in the field of psychology. Actually, my goal was to be a neuropsychologist. And I got pregnant along the way. So I didn't quite finish my PhD. So I had to sort of decide what I, what to, what I was going to do. At that time, I was... See, I was acting as a, you know, a number of different things, but I was working with kids and teens. And I found that parents kept coming up to me and saying, Rachel, I'm glad you're working with my child, but I need to know what to do when you're not around. So I actually started doing parenting workshops even before I was a parent and realized there was this need, you know, to know how to handle the really practical things. And I really loved the fact that I could be real about, hey, I, you know, this isn't necessarily intuitive to me. And people really, I connected with them, they connected with me. And so really all I teach now has a lot to do with how do you, if you're not the best in the moment parent or if you struggle with certain things, how can you still feel confident that you can raise your kids and feel good about how you're doing it? I love that so much. I think it just gives us all so much grace because there is like this expectation that like, oh, you're the mom, you should know what it is that you're doing or at least figure it out. But if, you know, the experts are still trying to figure it out at the same time with us and maybe just yes. that step or two ahead of us. But I think also to understanding just neuroscience and psychology in general and all of that probably plays a huge part into what you do. That's exactly right. That's why I feel that even though I'm not this perfect parent, I can really help parents because I do know a lot about the brain and behavior and emotions so I can give the tips. But then I can also offer this, don't try to be perfect because honestly, your kids don't need you to be perfect. They need you to be real. They need you to apologize. And they, they need you to show them what it's like to be in a real relationship where not everybody is getting along all the time. And I love that too, because you know when we think about being a working mom, we're often yeah. exhausted. We're often a little short-tempered and reactive more than we maybe want to be. We want to be more you know intentional and peaceful and grounded. But, you know, things get stressful and sometimes that goes out the window and we don't always perform in the way that we would want to, you know, ahead of time if we had, if we could like plan it all out. So I love that you kind of give us some grace with that and, and really some practical tools too, which I know you're going to be sharing with us today. So talk to us a little bit about just the matter of being a mom and being exhausted. Yeah, I think a lot of us are exhausted because in reality, parenting is not the only thing we're doing, especially because you know we're working as well outside of the home. So parenting is not the only thing we're doing. And we there's so much on our to-do list that we are overwhelmed and we're bringing that energy into the home. And kids really sense that energy. And so they misbehave or they become anxious or whatever their symptoms are. 
And then it makes the situation worse because then we're more overwhelmed. So it can really, just the fact that we're busy really has an impact on our parenting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the fact too, that the kids are reacting to Mm -hmm. the energy that we are bringing home, that we are being when we're present with them and we're around them. I think that that is like the biggest thing I'm learning as a parent. My kids are now 10 and 14, almost 15 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, And just realizing that sometimes I'm like, geez, what is wrong with you? And it's not so much always them, it's them feeding off of me. And that's making me be a lot more aware as a parent. But at the same time, it's like, oh my gosh, what am I doing to my poor children? And you know, I think that's the hardest part of parenting, honestly. I mean, there's a lot of hard parts. There's a lot of great parts too. But the hardest part to me is that my kids are sensing my energy and I'm not always positive. And I think that just puts a lot of pressure on us as parents, which is exactly why I give these tools for, it's okay if you're not in a good place and your kids feed off of you. How do you deal with that? And how do you um, try to improve things so that even if you are busy, and exhausted and don't always have this positive energy, things still can be okay. Oh, so good. So, so good. So this is a great tie-in. What is the first tip? Because now that you've said all that, I'm like, okay, (laughs) give me the tips. (laughs) Tell me what I can do about this. So one of the first tips I have if we are exhausted as parents is stop parenting so much in the moment. I think this is where the biggest waste of parenting energy goes. I mean, we are reacting to our kids we are responding when they're already, you know, misbehaving or they're already not listening to us or they're already, you know, being disrespectful. And it takes a lot of energy to deal with that situation. So one of the, one of the things I always teach parents is to help to figure out more proactively what you can do. And a lot of parents will say to me, but Rachel, I'm exhausted. How can I be proactive? But the truth is that if you understand what's causing your kid's behavior, making a few small tweaks proactively actually buys you a tremendous amount of energy because you're not fighting in in conflict so much. And what would those steps be like? How can we be a little bit more proactive? So one of my favorite things to teach parents is about making what I call proactive deposits. So deposits are things that we can do that meet our kids' needs ahead of time when we are in a good place. And that's the key. This is how I really make sure I'm still giving my kids what they need is I do this when I'm in a good place. So a lot of parents will know the traditional spend more time with your child and pay more attention to them. And that is one thing that I talk about for sure. I mean, I give this tip of if you're really busy, if you can take just 10 seconds a day per child, so even if you have six children, I'm talking a minute here, for 10 seconds a day, just really look up from what you're doing, if you're chopping vegetables or doing laundry or whatever, and really look at your child while they're talking to you and maybe even ask an extra question about what they say. And you do this when you're in a good place. That's an example of a proactive deposit where you're giving your child attention proactively so they don't need to fight for it later. So 10 seconds is enough because I feel like, you know, you need to give like an hour. You don't. It's actually way more about quality than quantity. Your kids just need to know that you're paying attention. They don't need you to be paying attention the whole time. What a lot of parents do though is that they'll say, I'm with my children a lot. But during that time, they're not spending, they're not paying attention to them. So it's almost worse to be there and not pay attention than to just um, to be there less and give some quality time. And especially if you are consistent, doing that at least once a day is, yeah, absolutely. The key is consistency. So I just do it when I know I'm going to have a little bit more energy, like I'm a morning person. So I know in the morning, I'm going to be very conscious about really paying attention to my kids because maybe after work, I'll be rushing around to make dinner and things like that. 
you know, that's so important too, what you said about doing it when you are good, like when you're in a good place and you have that energy and you have that intention, because even if you try to fake it, like they can sense that you're trying to fake it. They can totally sense that you're trying to fake it. And that actually almost makes it worse because they're confused about why you're doing that for sure. Mm. But it's, if you can also, here's another tip with this. If you can't pay attention to your child, what you can say is something like, um, you know, if you have a set time, maybe on the weekend when you're in a good place and you know you're going to be with them. I say this to my kids all the time. I can't pay attention now, but I'm really excited to hear about this. Why don't you save it for our time this weekend? I actually create a list of things because I have a really horrible memory. I'll create a list of things that I didn't get a chance to ask my kids about because I didn't have time and because I was rushed and in a bad place. And I'll ask them about it that weekend when we do have time together. Ah, oh, that's so good. That's so good. Cause I'm, I'm the same with you. Like I will think about these things like when I'm driving or when I'm in the shower, or, you know, and I'm kind of like replaying a conversation that didn't go so well the day before or the night before the morning of or whatever. Yeah. And thinking, Oh, I wish I could do that again. Or I want to be able to explain where I was coming from on that a little bit better. So I like the idea of creating a list and coming back to it later. Yes, absolutely. That's really, really good. So now we talked a little bit about our kids' behavior and how their behavior can really respond from what we're doing and the energy that we're bringing into it when we're already exhausted. But I know you have a tip also about our mindset around that. So share with us a little bit more about that. Yeah, our mindset about our kids' behavior will either create a huge energy drain or it will buy us some energy. It is, I say this all the time, I have a podcast and I actually did a whole episode on this, that there are really two things that determine you know, how much energy we're going to spend on parenting. Number one is the mindset about their behavior, which is basically when we see their behavior as a symptom of usually a tool that they're missing, we take, it's, we take a lot less energy addressing that behavior. So just let me give you an example. Let's say you ask your child to clean up after themselves and they're not cleaning up. If you think, oh my gosh, they're not cleaning up, I asked them five times to do it, that's a huge energy drain. But if you can say, hey, you know what? My kids aren't cleaning up because, and this is something that parents may not know, but I know about this stuff and I'm happy to teach it. Kids actually struggle to clean up after themselves because, and this is true of teens too, they're wired to focus on whatever's the most engaging or novel thing in the room. So they may actually start to clean, but then they get distracted by whatever else is more novel or engaging. So they're actually missing the tool to be able to focus and clean the way we want them to. So if we see it as they're not listening to me and I ask them five times and this is so awful, that energy we spend being frustrated actually is draining. Whereas if we say, hey, they're missing a tool, and especially if we can teach that tool proactively when we're in a good place, we can teach them how to maintain that focus when they do have to clean, then you prevent so much energy loss because you're just like, oh, they just need that tool. I'm going to teach it to them. I'm going to remind them of the tool. And it goes so much better. Oh my gosh. I feel like we could do a whole episode just on that. And you said you yeah, did. I, so, yes. so we're definitely gonna have to link to that episode and make sure everyone has a listen. So let me ask you this. How do you teach your kids to hold their focus if their brains just are not wired that way? It, that's a really great question. And I will tell you that anyone who starts to implement this tool is going to see change immediately because we don't even realize that kids struggle with this. And this is it's the reason that your kids don't get their shoes on when you ask or they don't brush their teeth. They may not even be lying in bed or they're not focusing on homework, depending on the age of the child. So here's what you do. What you have to realize is that, again, kids' brains are wired for engagement and novelty. So 
if you help them learn to make the task engaging, they will stay focused. So for a younger child, what you may say is something like, you know, you ask them to get their shoes on, well, they get distracted. But if you say something like, can you get your shoes on with your tongue sticking out the whole time? Or if with an older child, I used to do this for a living. I was an ADHD and academic coach. I used to help teenagers focus on their homework by teaching them how to engage with the homework, whether that was engaging their bodies. Maybe they needed to, they were studying vocabulary words. So they would move their bodies in step with the vocabulary words that they were learning. Or they would make visual mind maps, which engage their brain in whatever they were studying. So if we teach kids to engage themselves in the activity they're doing, they will actually focus. But if we don't do this, they don't know how to focus and we just get frustrated with them. Oh my gosh, my mind is blown. It's so a simple thing, but I can't tell you how many times I get frustrated with my kids when I'm like, clean your room, do the chore, wire, like it's exactly. a constant, constant battle in our house. And I'm, I do, I think like, why are they not listening to me? Why are they being so disrespectful? Like, I don't understand what's going on here, but I love the idea of just realizing that they don't have the tools and then teaching them how to get the tool. Absolutely. And whenever you change your mindset, going back to your original question from, oh my gosh, they're not doing it. Why aren't they doing it with all this like judgment? We change our mindset to, oh, there's a reason they're not doing it and I'll find the reason and I'll teach it to them. That's more of the proactive piece. You teach it more proactively. It is amazing how much time and energy that saves, not only because you're thinking about it differently, but then you can actually solve the problem and then you save energy there. So good. So not only does it save energy, but then if you're not in a good place to be able to teach it, it can go on your list for when you are in a good place. You got it. I love it. That is so amazing. And I know that you talk about this too with the mindset that we just talked about and how that links to more responsible and respectful behavior. Can you touch on that a little bit? Because I think that as moms, that's what we want from our kids is for them to be more responsible and more respectful. Yeah. So this mindset of whenever my child is not being respectful or they're not being responsible, there's a reason for it. And when we understand that behavior is only a symptom of something else, that's when everything changes. So if we look at the disrespect piece, kids are disrespectful. And by the way, so are adults. Kids are disrespectful when they don't have the tools to regulate their emotions. So you tell them, no, you can't go to your friend's house because you didn't do your homework. And they become disrespectful because they have this frustration and disappointment inside of them and they don't know how to handle those big feelings. So they take all of, I call this their yuck. They take all this yuck and they turn it out on you. That's what their disrespect is. It's, it's, a, it's not okay. It's not acceptable. This is not a reason, I mean, an excuse, but it is a reason why they're doing that. So again, we see this behavior as the symptom. It makes us less angry, which takes less energy, and then we can solve the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one of those big things that, cause like you said, like there are a lot of adults who are also not very respectful, not yes. very responsible. And it is one of my biggest goals as a parent that when they leave this house, that they are not one of those types of adults out yes. there. But if I don't equip them while they're in my house to be able to deal with those emotions, then that's exactly what they're going to turn into. That you couldn't have said, I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. Absolutely. If we don't equip them with the tools, they will not be able to do what we ask. And again, we have to look at them like, you know, they're, they're not equipped. We ask them to do things. And most people are not as aware of brain development. So you don't know that even though a child is 15 years old, you'd think they should be able to clean up their room or do their homework, but they're missing other tools that most parents just aren't aware of. Mm, yeah, that is so good. That is so, so good. And I know a lot of the things that we're talking about, Rachel, are, are helping us as the mom, even though 
It's us understanding our kids so we can help them be better. I really do think that some of the the wisdom that you are bringing and that you're all about on your podcast and your YouTube videos and everything that you do are really about helping to equip us as parents because we keep coming back to when you're in a good place. When you're in a good place, you can have these discussions. You can teach them the skills. You can give them the tools. But how do we get into a good place? Like, how do we make sure that we're not just like this constant state of stress and overwhelm and anger and, you know, bring in our own yuck to every situation? Which is what most of us do very honestly. We bring our own yuck to situations. So one of the things to think about is um, I sort of have a short-term solution for that and then a long-term solution. The short-term solution, I actually have the clients that I work with create what I call a parenting avatar, which is where you decide again, proactively, what type of parent you want to be. And then you create plans proactively for, for how you're, handle, you're going to handle the things that trigger you. So if you get triggered every single time, you get really upset every single time your child doesn't clean, I actually will have parents say, okay, if you were your ideal parent, and if you were the parent you want to be, how would you respond to that? And I have them make this plan, and it's based on a simple sentence. When my child blank, I will blank. So when my child doesn't clean, I will blank. And you fill in the blank with something that actually helps you feel good as a parent. You decide this ahead of time when you're not in yuck. And then in that moment, you just follow through. So it's a really simple way. If you've done no other work at all to kind of reduce your yuck, if you've done no other work, you can just make this plan and act from this plan. And you will, you'll regret your behavior a lot less just because you know what to do in the moment. That is brilliant. That is so brilliant. In fact, I can see that going well beyond parenting in all of the areas of your life. How do you want to show up in your health? And how do you want to spend money? And you know, all of those things. I think that that is an incredible tool. Yes. And whenever we make a a plan from from the part of our brain that's more proactive, we make plans that are consistent with our values. When we're in yuck, we actually can't be consistent with our values. Yeah. Yeah. I always say like when we're in our yuck, like when the emotions are high, like logic just goes out the window and you can't even think straight. And it literally does. I don't know if you're aware, but basically when we sense some sort of discomfort or yuck, whether we're hungry or tired or whatever, our brain senses that as a threat and it it turns on, on an alarm and that's our fight or flight response. And our fight or flight response literally shuts down the part of the brain where your values live, where your logic lives. Even it shuts down the part of the brain where language is. That's why we don't process language very effectively when we're flooded with emotion. That's amazing. Our brains are incredible. Yeah. Like so amazing. Mm -hmm. So we talked about the short term of doing like a parenting avatar. What's the long-term solution? So the long-term solution is actually to figure out what's causing yuck to begin with. And, you know, there could be simple things like we're just overworked or overwhelmed. But when I go deeper with most parents, I actually find that it comes down to we have all human beings have certain emotional needs. And what happens is parents are not, we're so worried about our kids' needs, we're not meeting our own emotional needs. And for better or worse, our brain interprets not meeting our emotional needs as, as a threat. Like I said, it, we go into yuck and then we are overwhelmed and we're just exuding this negative energy. So th- some of the examples of emotional needs are we, we have a need for control. So if we feel really out of control in our lives, we need to find a way to get control back. And one of the things that I stress with parents is something that you talked about. Stop trying to control your child and start focusing on your own reaction. Instead of trying to make them stop tantruming or stop being disrespectful, because ultimately that's out of your control. Or instead of trying to get your spouse to change 
you know, maybe pick up their stocks more or get off their phone more. Instead of trying to change other people, focus more on yourself. And that's an example of something, doing something that actually helps you meet your need for control because we tend to be depleted in these areas. So it's just an example of doing more long-term work to figure out where you are depleted and why it's causing the behavior that it is. This is so good. This is so good. And I know this links perfectly into your third tip, which is about self-care, self-treatment, because, you know, it is important that we take care of ourselves. And I think sometimes we keep pushing it off the list and pushing it off the the list, but then it just, it's going to sprout up, whether it sprouts up at work and you end up crying in a meeting that you don't want to cry in, or you snap at your kids or whatever it is. So talk to us a little bit about self-care, self-treatment. Yeah. And I'm glad you said both because I actually really do distinguish self-treatment and self-care. To me, self-care is about taking bubble baths and getting a pedicure and spending time with friends. All of those are great. But I find that if we're not treating ourselves well on a daily basis, then going to get a pedicure or spend time with friends doesn't make up for all the damage we do because we're not treating ourselves well. So I talk about self-treatment and I mean specifically, how are you talking to yourself on a daily basis? How are you setting boundaries to take care of yourself on a daily basis? So treating ourselves with respect, again, and how we, how we talk to ourselves, how we say no to other people, that is the stuff that I think leads to more yuck. And it, even if, if we're treating ourselves negatively, even if we go away for five days with our girlfriends and come back, if you're treating yourself negatively, that five-day vacation will have no impact like by two hours after you get home because you've treated yourself too poorly. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love the way that you distinguish between self-treatment and self-care. I'm Mm -hmm. a huge person. Like I love to talk about self-care as a way of like, you take care of yourself as if you were taking care of your child. So like you want to make sure your child has healthy meals. Well, you need to make sure you have healthy meals. You want to make sure your child goes to sleep on time. So they're not cranky the next day. You probably need to make sure you go to sleep on time. So you're not cranky the next day. But I think sometimes we make it more difficult than it actually needs to be. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, we do because we have so much on our to-do list. That's another thing I work a lot with parents on is, you know, we, we, I think one of the reasons we do overwhelm ourselves is because we have this idea we need to be this this certain person. And if we're not that person, if we're not juggling a million things, then we're not enough. And a lot of us have a hard time setting boundaries because it makes us feel like we're not doing enough or being enough. So we have to really think about that. We put ourselves out there, but we would never do that to our kids. We would never pile their to-do list so high that they were drowning in it. We need to stop doing that to ourselves and understand why we're doing that to ourselves. That is a great point. Now, I have a question for you that's a little bit off topic, but not so far. Now, we talked about having that parent avatar, like being that ideal parent and how would you respond? But how do we control the boundaries between having that ideal parent avatar and piling on this like idea of perfection or, or what we should be as a parent? How do we balance those two? I love that. So what I will say is perfection tends to be a symptom of anxiety. We need to be perfect because if not, we can't handle the outcome. So what we realize, what I talk to a lot of parents about when you're creating that parenting avatar is that if you are striving to be this perfect parent who's good at everything, chances are you're doing it for a reason, like you can't handle it if you're not perfect. So sometimes a parenting avatar will will be, you know, I'll do the best I can to stay calm when my kids are in the middle of a tantrum, but that's all I can do. Sometimes I'm going to lose it. And I often tell tell parents when they're creating this avatar, 
to make a plan for what happens when you do inevitably lose it. How will you handle that? Because that's more realistic. Mm, I love it. And it just kind of circles right back as you were talking. I was thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, this is right back to the long-term solution. (laughs) Parenting avatar is a short-term solution, but the long-term solution is dealing with your own yuck, which is probably a big part of that perfectionism that you have in being a parent. Absolutely. Yeah. And why do we feel the need to be perfect? Because if you know people who don't feel that need often are just more confident and comfortable in their own skin. And we kind of want to get what they, what they have, because really, if we need to be perfect at everything, there's a reason that some, some discomfort that we can't handle if we're not perfect. Oh, so, so good. Well, Rachel, I think that these three tips that you shared with us today are really life-giving. I mean, I really mean that because they're, they're such huge light bulb moments that I have had in our discussion and so many great tools that you've shared with us. Now, do you have any parting thoughts, any last ideas you would like to share with the working moms listening today? Sure. Yeah. I would say if anyone doesn't know, have any idea where to start with this, where to start with seeing your kids behavior differently, or where to start with even treating yourself with a little bit more grace. My biggest tip is when you're asking yourself, if you try to figure out what your child is doing, When you ask yourself why they did something, use a tone of curiosity instead of judgment. So instead of saying, why did my child do that? Pause and ask curiously, why did my child do that? And I would give the same advice when you're thinking about yourself and you want to give yourself a little bit of grace. Instead of saying, oh my gosh, why did I do that? Why did I yell again? Just pause and ask with curiosity, why did I yell again? Because chances are that curiosity not only is kinder, but it's it's going to lead you to a reason. Oh, I yelled again because I didn't get enough sleep last night or because I was fighting with my friend and you know I, I was depleted. So when you can switch from a tone of judgment to curiosity, it's kinder, it's more respectful, and you get a lot more answers that, and problem, problems that you can solve. Yeah, that is a great, great tip. I was even thinking in your marriage, because <laughs> if you get so frustrated with your husband, like come from a place of curiosity instead of judgment. Yes, your husband, your colleague, anybody. This works with anybody, absolutely. Uh, What a great way to just increase your empathy overall as a person to just come at things from curiosity versus judgment. Cool, yes. I love it. Well, where can people learn more about you? I know you've got a lot of great resources to help us in our parenting journey. What would be the best place for people to connect with? So I, I have a podcast myself. It's called Your Parenting Long Game, where I go into these topics in a little bit more detail. I also have a YouTube channel, which is, you know, you can search for Rachel Bailey Parenting. I have a Facebook page, also Rachel Bailey Parenting, where I answer real parents' questions. So if you want some snippets, that's a great place to start. And then there, I have a free resource that I would love to offer. If anyone wants to understand their kids' behavior a little bit more, you can find that on my website at rachel-bailey.com forward slash responsible behavior. I love that. We are definitely going to be linking to that. I'm going to be getting that myself. Dealing with teenagers is like a whole different ball game from dealing with littler kids. And I need all of the help I can get. So I really appreciate all of the work that you are doing to help support parents out there and all of the goodness that you are putting out in the world. We all collectively thank you. Well, I want to say the same thing right back to you. So thank you, but I appreciate what you do as well. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having coming on the show and we're excited to connect with you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
Well, there you go. I hope that these three tips that Rachel shared with us today really help you in your own path to being the best mom that you can be. And like she said, without being exhausted. Now you can get links to everything that we talked about in this show in the show description or by going to yourliferocks.com. And if you're ready to join Life Balance Membership and get that bonus course for meal planning made simple, you can go to lifebalancemembership.com or you can upgrade right inside of the Your Life Rocks mobile app. Now, if you love this episode, I know you're gonna love the other episodes that we have coming for you in this series. We're gonna be talking about things like controlling our mom anger and how to use the Enneagram to better understand our children. Now, if there are other moms that you know that could benefit from some of these great guest experts that we have, I hope that you would share this podcast with them so they can join along in this journey of going through the series of being the best moms that we can be. So until next week, keep building a life that rocks. Bye. Hey, just because the episode's over doesn't mean we have to stop hanging out. Head on over to Instagram and follow me there. You can find me at your.life.rocks. Or if you're more of a Facebook kind of girl, join our community of working Christian moms just like you. You can search Your Life Rocks over on Facebook and connect with us there. And if you're ready to truly create lasting balance and get results in your life, maybe it's time for you to join Life Balance Membership. Download the Your Life Rocks app in iTunes or in Google Play. You can upgrade to the membership right inside the app. And if you're looking for more resources to help you create more balance, head on over to yourliferocks.com.